But I think um, big goals and goals is a big part of every successful person's life, you know? And if you end up looking back and kind of giggling at those goals or thinking, why did I think that would be the end? Um, more power to you, but you got to set them high and, you know, try to get as close as possible. Welcome to the Accelerated Investor Podcast with Josh Cantwell. Josh Cantwell. If you love entrepreneurship and investing in real estate, then you are in the right place. Josh is the CEO of Freeland Ventures Real Estate Private Equity and has personally invested in well over 500 properties all across the country. He's also made hundreds of private lender loans and owns over 1,000 units of apartments. Josh is an expert at raising private money for deals, and he prides himself on never having had a boss in his entire adult life. Josh and his team also mentor investors and entrepreneurs from all over the world. He doesn't dream about doing deals. He actually does them, and so do his listeners and students. Now sit back, listen, listen learn, learn, and accelerate your business, your life, and your investing with the Accelerated Investor Podcast. So, hey, welcome back to Accelerated Investor. I'm so excited that you could join me again today for yet another episode. We are now at episode 100 and something. Where, where, where are we at, Remy? Uh, AI podcast episode number 99. Oh, we're at number 99. Fantastic. And I don't think we've got another 150 episodes roughly before that yeah. with our old podcast, right? Yeah. So we're having fun with that. And today I'm excited to interview um, a local uh, investor from Cleveland. He's somebody that we joint ventured with. Uh, we funded a lot of deals for on the debt side. And uh, he has a really amazing journey from... Uh, you know, his journey into real estate, jumping in as an agent, jumping in as a leasing agent, and now owning over 700 units of Airbnbs and commercial real estate. His name is Steve Morris. He's the CEO of Red Door Renovations and Bulletproof Sales. Um, he has a huge portfolio, an amazing lifestyle, and an awesome story to tell us today. Steve, thanks so much for jumping on Accelerated Investor. Hey, you're going to make me blush, man. That was a uh quite the introduction. So hopefully I can uh, hold up. For the next Absolutely. Time. Just be yourself, man. Uh, you know, I like to do these, Steve, my audience knows really for uh, personal selfish reasons to get to know uh, some new affiliates, some new joint venture partners, um, new guys we can do deals with, and uh, and then also provide a ton of value for our listeners and students and stuff like that, man. I know you got a busy schedule, so thanks for hopping on. Steve, why don't you just start real quick with where you're at today? I love to talk about what's going on right now in today's market, and then we'll we'll, we'll go backwards and talk a little bit more about your, your journey. So tell us, what are you working on today? What are you most excited about? about what are you you know working on as far as raising capital doing deals what's your niche what's your money making strategy yeah um and as ground level as it can get is we're, we're jetting out of here to go to a couple of events in tampa in the next week and uh you know you asked me that question i got the whiteboards in front of me so it's very clear what we're doing right now um 65 units in west virginia raising some capital for that we got 34 35 lakefront condos in cleveland and then like um, so that's the, that's the acquiring board right here. And then we got the project management board and stuff we already own. We got like 200 units over there that we're trying to turn. And then on the acquiring board, I won't list them all, but we got five, six, seven Airbnbs that we're probably popping, um, in the next, I don't know, 14 days, as far as closing, we'll, we'll take them down, value at them and then, uh, refine them out. So 
Nice. By the way, I have an Airbnb that I've got a luxury one in Rocky River that I actually just sold. So I've got about fifteen, seventeen thousand dollars worth of furniture. If you're looking for for good furniture that you can buy off me, we, 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 we would buy it for sure. We're um, the Amex card is getting a little abused on some of these furniture sites. You know, I think sure. uh, we were doing some projections. Actually, it's uh, you know kind of funny that you brought that up. We're looking at uh, warehouses. I was going to reach out to you guys for a loan or whatnot on some warehouses over on the Detroit Shoreway area. Got it. Okay. Um, so for the people that aren't from Cleveland, that's what, like 10 minutes from downtown. Um, yeah. But we're looking at some warehouses there actually uh, solely because we're spending so much buying and shipping the furniture to the Airbnbs. We'd rather buy it on pallets and then ship it into a warehouse and get a discount. So it's uh, nice. It's weird how business evolves, but that was a, uh, I think we'll spend like half a million bucks on uh, furniture alone this year. That's fantastic. Um, half a million bucks in furniture. Yeah, you should be buying that stuff in bulk for sure. And just like you, man, we're, we're focused on a lot of debt and equity stuff and, and, and funding apartments and buying apartments. And so these couple of last Airbnbs that I have and, and rentals, we got a lot of, a lot of furniture. So to get rid of, so Steve, um, your, your passion today is all Airbnbs. It's all commercial real estate, mostly multifamily and apartments. Um, just talk for a second to our audience about how your journey has evolved to the point where today that's your focus. Why is that your focus? You've obviously learned a lot, the things you've done well, the things that have didn't go well, and now you're at scale. You have over 700 units. Um, so maybe for our newer investors or newer listeners that don't know a ton about Airbnbs and, and commercial apartments, what are some of the major benefits that you feel they provide for you and for your lifestyle? Yeah, so you know what's great is the synergies there, right? It's actually a very similar model. We're getting everything rent ready, be it a one bedroom apartment building. You know, we got stuff in Sheffield Lake or, you know, what we would consider B areas. We got stuff in C areas around Cleveland. So a lot of times we're fixing all of them to the same capacity. Uh, you know, we're kind of almost borderline gutting them and uh, throwing you know, granite remnants and new counters in there. And uh, that works for apartments and Airbnbs. Um, you know, when people stay in Airbnbs, they're going to compare it to a hotel. So you want to be, right. if not high end, like right, right, right there. Right. Cause if, uh, if they're not staying with you, they're going to stay in a nice hotel and they're going to get great service. So um, what we're doing in our uh, apartment buildings and Airbnbs is great. Cause we're, like you said, we're able to kind of like scale it. And then the synergies there, so we're able to get some discounts as far as materials and stuff like that too. So the process from apartments to Airbnb is almost identical, and then you furnish it, which we're, which we already kind of touched on now. Um, right before that, so you know the you're getting it rent ready slash safe, functional, uh, improved. Um, maybe you're slapping some debt on it on the back end. And then uh, the only other step, instead of assigning a lease, you're furnishing it and then you're going to go get short-term leases or, you know, day-to-day renters, you know? Right. You bet. So how has that helped you achieve your financial goals? You know, if you look back five, 10 years ago and you thought, you know, I wanted to get into real estate, I want to get going with this thing and where you're at today, uh, you know, as far as your entrepreneurial journey goes, a lot of people would love to say, oh, my God, you know, 700 units. Let's just say he's turning, you know, two, three hundred dollars a unit. You know, it, it's an amazing amount of net income, net profit uh, when all that stuff is stabilizing, cash flowing. Um, stabilizing cash flowing is the key part. There, yeah, right? no doubt. Right. Stabilizing <laughs> cash flowing. So it, and, that, and that's a process, right, because you're buying, fixing, renting, stabilize and then refinance into permanent financing. But um 
when you think about where you were versus where you're at today, right? Help me understand, make the comparison, right? When you first got out of, uh, you know, business school, you went to B school, you jumped in, you're basically a leasing agent, a realtor. Have you, did you think then like what where you're at today is, it was really the end goal or was it, it, it where you're at today somewhere totally different than you thought when you started? Unbelievably different. I, I mean, I don't even know if you could really fathom that. Um, I got some good stories about that that we might be able to dive into too. But, uh, you know, I had goals. I, I, I was always money driven. I remember like um, being that kid that, uh, you know, when you were growing up, you get a couple bucks or whatever and kids would go buy games or toys or whatever. I would stash it in a shoebox. And uh, in high school, actually, a couple of my friends called me shoebox because they'd be like, <laughs> I get the shoebox out and had all these crumpled up twenties and stuff. Like, um, just remember really being monetarily focused. I think, um, a lot of people think that like, if you're that kind of a human that you can't be necessarily a good person, right? Like, so my dad's probably one of the smartest people I've ever met. And he always tells me that he didn't make money because he couldn't step on someone to get to where he was going. Yeah. And I feel like it's the opposite. I feel like if I can make enough money or, um, save up enough or produce enough that I can help a lot of people. So that's kind of my goal. Um, and coming out of college, I had some goals. Like I said, when I was a little kid, I just had numbers and obviously things happen and life evolves, but I couldn't have seen 700 units. Uh, and to put it in my best light is I was, uh, <laughs> some of these out of towners are going to be like appalled by this story. I was in East Cleveland when I was like 24, um, probably on a street that I shouldn't have been on as far as crime goes and whatnot. I probably could have got robbed in the front yard, but I had no money. You know, I was borrowing money to drink beer. I was borrowing money to pay rent. Um, I was doing some deals as far as leasing and or selling some real estate. And I was trying to get some of my first rentals. And, you know, there's some there's some cheap good value rentals in Cleveland. That's why I like Especially East Cleveland. (laughs) So uh, this guy was trying to sell me a duplex, swear to God, in his front yard for $7,000. And I tried, I think, no, I think he wanted to sell it to me for 11 and I offered seven. And it was fully rented and almost turnkey. This is fuck. This is about five years ago. Sorry if I swear, because I got, I'm going to do my best. I always do. But you know me. So this is, um, you know, I'm trying to beat him up over an $11,000 fully rented duplex. He was nice. And uh, I remember he was he was kind of on his way out. He was retiring. And he, he told me, he goes, yeah, this is my last one of 60 units. And I remember thinking, oh, my God. Like, if I could just ever get to 60 units, like, I'll be forever rich. I'll be – you know, that was, the, that, was, that was my ceiling. You know, that was the most successful person I heard in my life at 24. He had 60 rentals. So, you know, getting to 700 um, – I'm not saying it happened on accident, but I could have never seen it coming ever, ever, ever. So yeah. it's pretty cool to watch it just kind of come to you know fruition and stuff like that. So, so yeah, well, I think for for a lot of people that get started in this business, even owning their first rental is like, oh my god, I would love to have one and make an extra two hundred bucks. And then it's like, what if I could get ten? Oh my god, I would get an extra two hundred bucks. What if I had fifty and an extra two hundred bucks? Oh my god, I'm making an extra. $10,000 a month. It's amazing. And then it's about, look, look, what I love about real estate is the fact that you can essentially stamp out the same process again and again and again. The house is a little bit different. The square footage is a little bit different. The bed and bath mix up a little bit different. But if you have a system for apartments or Airbnbs or rentals and you're doing the same luxury vinyl plank flooring, you're doing the same color schemes, you're doing the same kind of cabinets, granite, stamp it out, stamp it out, stamp it out, stamp it out. Then it's just like, 
okay, now residential is kind of boring. Like, let's just buy a big apartment building. It just gets kind of gross. I, th- I think you're kind of nuts, people that are like, you know, 24 or even 50 years old, and they get started to say, I want to own a thousand units. Like, you can't even get your arms around that, right? Yeah. It's just like, do a deal, figure that shit out, then do 10, figure that shit out, then do 50, then 100. It just kind of grows organically, right? Yeah, absolutely. And you just learn as you go. I mean, there's, I, I'm a big reader and uh, listen to a lot of podcasts and or, you know, even if I'm at the gym, I'm probably not listening to music, but maybe, you know, uh, Gary V podcast or whatever, uh, the Wolf Den, whatever that looks like. And that's great, right? You can learn some stuff from business, lifestyle, mindset from those guys. Absolutely. But there's no comparison to buying your first rental. Like you said, one, two, three, four doors and uh, scaling that to whatever, a thousand or twenty thousand dollars, right? Because it's you, you get in these books and you read about real estate, but nothing, nothing teaches you like hammer to the nail or managing a project, you know. So it's a it's a big deal to do your first one. I don't think you got to get it perfect, but you got to you got to get it started, right? Are you ready to automate and explode your real estate investing? We're searching for extremely motivated individuals who are sick and tired of wasting time and want to finally see real results from their real estate investing business. We're searching for investors looking to get to the next level and become a bigger, better version of themselves while being a more successful real estate investing entrepreneur. Apply for mentoring and coaching at joshcantwellcoaching.com forward slash podcast. That's joshcantwellcoaching.com forward slash podcast. Yeah, no doubt. I, I liken it often to, and I'm, I've played sports all my life, and I still coach club volleyball. There's there's a big difference between being in the classroom and going through the playbook. Like, let's just say you play football, and you learn the plays, and you do it on a whiteboard, or you do it on a chalkboard, and you're learning the plays from your coach. And then you got to go outside in the field, on the grass, or on the turf, and uh-huh. actually do it. There's a massive difference between being in the classroom and doing X's and O's versus actually being on the field. Um, that is to me the closest comparison being an athlete that, uh, that I can make, you know, when you're actually slamming into somebody with your pads on or you're playing hoops or you're playing lacrosse or volleyball is much different than the X's and O's on a whiteboard. You just got to get in, do it, figure it out. Even if you don't make any money on your first deal or you're, you know, I've had several deals this past year we actually lost money on, but I learned a shitload of stuff from those deals because things I did with contractors that didn't work out or things I did with financing that I did wrong. It's amazing. You never learn what you can learn actually doing it from compared to what's in a book or a course or a podcast are great. Training programs are great, but you got to go do it. Um, Steve, let's talk about your current business. So when you have 700 units, a lot of people might look at that and say, holy smokes, that's a massive portfolio. What does the team look like that helps you manage that type of thing? Leasing agents, contractors, maybe an operating officer that helps you out. Help, tell me a little bit more about the team that kind of pulls all the strings for you. You know what's beautiful about uh, real estate is I feel like with uh, if you own some sort of a factory or you know any other business where like man hours were super important, or in-house man hours, I should say, in-house man hours were super important. Um, you got to carry that overhead. And what I pride myself about, and you know, maybe what helps create a little bit of my lifestyle is that I don't think we're the biggest business uh, in town and/or nationwide, obviously, for you know man hours per door or you know whatever that looks like dollars per door um, with support. But 
what I pride myself in is creating like really good joint ventures. And uh, I'm able to rely on people outside of my business to supplement what a lot of times would be in-house paid salaries. So we do a lot of that. You know, we're bringing deals, they're bringing deals, we're bringing money. Um, they're bringing project management, we're bringing property management, vice versa. We, all, we kind of refer to it as like an a la carte menu. If they bring X, then we're gonna bring Y. And then we chop up the equity um, as, as we see fair or, you know, both, both sides see fair. So we got those joint ventures, which is great. So we rely on a lot of stuff that maybe they have, um, you know, executive admins, them, obviously their contractors, their money, um, whatever that looks like as we chop it up as far as in-house for red door, uh, sales manager, um, acquisition guy, basically. And, um, we do. So if you know some of the, like, so Paul Vincent is our lawyer. Mm -hmm. And uh, again, all these people that we probably could have in house lawyer, uh, CPA, um, you know, COO, stuff like that. We, we, we have some of those positions, but we rely on bringing them in. So Paul typically would send as a lawyer, or whoever a CPA, they would send you an invoice and say, please pay this. What we do a lot of is when we structure the deal, instead of, you know, paying 20,000 bucks for lawyer fees and a PPM, um, for an apartment building, we just, we'll, we'll throw Paul 5%, you know? So I think what we do a lot of is strategic partnerships instead of employees. But like I said, I'll run through Red Door real quick. Um, we got me, a sales manager, a leasing agent, a project manager, and uh, basically a social media person. So that's in-house. Got it. Nice. Very good. Yeah. Love the idea of, that's one of the things about commercial real estate and apartments, large deals, right? I mean, it's just the opportunity to split the deal up and there's still a lot of action. There's a lot of profit. There's a lot of equity for everyone Absolutely. Um, as opposed to like a single family home. You do one joint venture, you have one partner. It's like, okay, you're getting a hundred bucks. We're getting a yeah. hundred bucks. Like who gives a shit? Um, you talk about an apartment deal, it's 200 units and now you're multiplying it and you have three, $400,000, maybe yeah. a year of net operating income. You know, now you're talking about some some significant money to be able to carve yeah. that up, and it ma it makes a difference for everybody's balance sheet. Um, yeah. So, Steve, talk for a little bit uh, about the. Let's go back to the entrepreneurial journey, and then we'll kind of wrap up here and talk a little bit more about some tactical stuff about yeah. finding deals and finding money. Mm -hmm. So, let's go back to you went to business school. You went to Bowling Green, local university yeah. in Northeast Ohio. Um, and when you graduated from B school, like, what did you, what did you think about? What did you want to become? What did you want to do? And then obviously you jumped into real estate as a real estate agent and a leasing agent. But what was that like when you graduated and thought, Hey man, I'm going to become this. And then real estate became that. So what was that like for you? Yeah. Um, you know, the MBA was in finance. And like I said, growing up, I had this like knack just to try to find money. And I, I don't, you know, it doesn't take a lot of money to live in Cleveland, Ohio. You know, we're not LA, we're not New York. So, um, you know, growing up, appreciating the finance side and the money side of stuff, I, you know, quickly realized in adult world and living in Bowling Green, I think this is a true story too. I went to Tiffin first, my uh, $180 rent there, right? Because it's in the middle of a cornfield. And then Bowling Green, Ohio, uh, three, I just, like basically a, a loft. And I think it was 320 bucks all in for a month. So you, if you're a money guy in Cleveland, Ohio or Ohio, you know, you can get by pretty easy. So I think one of the things that motivates me is to try to, uh, you know, make the money and give it back as far as, you know, 
helping other people get to maybe where I've been, or I know you, you will talk about this, but you said the first deal, you know, focus on that. But as soon as you do one, the, the second one's easier. Right. So, um, maybe just helping people jump that, that gap is what motivated me. I didn't know coming out of business school or really, um, even growing up what I wanted to do. And, uh, I think it just materializes. Like I said, I knew that I wanted to help people and I, I read a bunch of stuff and you, you know, all the statistics about nine out of 10 millionaires, you know, formed in real estate. So I don't know. I just gravitated to that thinking if I can make a little more money or help people learn how to, get more time with their family or uh, give back to whatever charity they, they prefer, then that would be a cool thing. So, yeah. Um, and that's kind of, you know, I'm sure we'll go down that path a little bit, but from leasing agent to 700 units, it was just like, you would see someone kind of doing something a little cooler than you or a little bigger than you. And you just gravitated towards that bigger deal. I think the more you do, the more you can help people and teach people, which is, you know, ultimately what I want to do. Yeah. Do you remember Steve and your journey, the time, when maybe it was a specific deal that you did, maybe it was your first apartment deal you bought when you thought like, dude, this is it. Like I'm confident now yeah. I've owned so many doors or I bought this building and it's actually freaking working where I can see a path to not only becoming a millionaire in real estate, but truly living like that freedom lifestyle. Yeah. Like you're, I, I mean, I could do this. I can be totally independent, right? Cause most people are like, Fortune 500 job or sales job, maybe they're making a couple hundred thousand dollars a year, three, four hundred, but they're always like, man, I got to keep working. I got to keep working until I'm 59 and a half so I can retire with my 401k and my pension. For us, I mean, I remember the moment where I was like, oh my God, this is actually freaking working. I can see a clear path where if I do X number of more doors or X in my case, more equity, more debt, more loans. I'm going to be totally financially independent here and I don't have to wait till I'm 60 years old. I can do it in the next couple of years. Do you remember that yeah. deal? Do you remember that moment? Tell me about that. Absolutely. I mean, clear as day to me. Um, and there's kind of two points, right? Cause I know we talked about this a little bit off camera and obviously in the same market. So, you know, a little bit about me and vice versa, but sure, sure. I was a wholesaler first. Right. So I remember that moment in wholesaling, right? I had a uh, house, uh, again, close to downtown. We won't go into the streets for the people out of town, but close to downtown. And I got it for 25 grand and was able to sell it uh, like the same day or a day later for like, I don't know, 50 grand. And, uh, you know, for me coming out of school and, uh, you know, I didn't grow up in a ton of money or have a ton of head starts, but, you know, 20, 30 grand in a day felt like that was it, right? Like I was unbeatable then. And I think, um, you know, like you said, hindsight, I probably wasn't, but that, that, that was the wholesale moment where I just felt like, all right, I can do this. I can outplay anyone in this market. We got some great wholesalers in, in, in Cleveland, but I just felt like, you know, at that point, like you belong, right? I had some, done some smaller deals or whatever, but that was the one where I thought a lot of people would be happy to make that maybe over six months, you know? And uh, that, that, that made me felt like, you know, feel like I was a player in this market. And then we talked about earlier, you know, you go from doing this and you see someone else, else doing why and maybe it's got better payouts or tax benefits and i just kind of started progressing through wholesaling all the way to the multifamily buy and hold and i remember that moment too in the multifamily i sent out a mailchimp uh blast you know i think i was paying all of 29 bucks a month for mailchimp and uh a lady hit me back and was like i got this off-market 48 unit building in uh, sheffield lake which is a suburb of cleveland um, and it was 1.4 million. And, uh, it's funny cause I didn't own any commercial real estate and I was like 
but you know, I'm a little savvy, right? So I look at the email and I think, shit, this looks like it makes sense. And I had no idea if it did, but I just forwarded it to uh, Nick Burton and Tim Bratz, obviously, and uh, said, hey, man, can I get paid on this? And, uh, you know, we were able to take down that building for 1.4 million, 48 units. They're mostly two bedrooms. Obviously a great deal. I think um, we're going to look into uh, refi that out at like 3.6 million. So nice. all in for 1.9 million refi out at 3.6. Uh, smoking hot deal. But I remember thinking, yeah, exactly that. When the, the replies, <laughs> it's a great story, actually. So you started replying and she didn't really know what she was doing. I had never bought commercial real estate. I didn't know what I was doing. We got an in-between with Tim team, Tim's team. And uh, I ended up uh, you know, buying her a phone because she didn't even have a phone. She's a, a bird dog. Um, and she's like, I think this is what you're looking for. And I ended up buying <laughs> her a burner phone at Walmart because she would have to go to the library to email me back about this deal. And exactly that. It was, you know, I'm reading the emails and I'm thinking – this is, this is my break, right? This is where I get, you know, 50 doors in a day. And uh, she, would, she would leave the library when she was emailing me because she didn't have a phone or computer. And, <laughs> right, you know, we're going to offer cash. We're going to do this. Let's go. Let's lock it up. And then 24 hours would go by and she'd come back to the library and email me back. All right, let's, you know, I was like, all right, enough of this. I'm going to buy you a burner phone. We're going to get this across the line. Because like, like you said, it was this moment in my head where I felt like, you know, if you could get 50 doors in a day, like, you're starting to be a legit player, you know? So right. I do remember both those days where uh, I felt like I kind of broke through whatever market I was in or, or felt established. So Yeah, I'll never forget the day when I quit my job as a financial advisor. I was actually standing on Madison Avenue in Lakewood. Mm-hmm. This is all the way back in 2005. And um, I was meeting with the local Homevestor franchisee. His name was Ted Cowan. We had just met. I walked out of that meeting. I walked onto Madison Avenue, and I just told myself I'm going to quit this job. And I did. I called my called my manager awesome. at that time and said, "Dude, I'm uh, this financial planning has been great for me. I was you know very young, yeah. made a nice, great in, it's a great industry too. So yeah, hard one to walk away from, you know. It is. We built you know we built. I was managing thirty million dollars at 26 years old, and and had a great recurring income, a big six figure mm-hmm. income, almost all commission based, but. In, but I realized, man, I tell the story all the time, most of my most successful clients did not have all their money in the, mar- in the market. They had their money in real estate. They owned apartments, yeah. they owned buildings, they leased them out to restaurants, they had single family homes. I remember quitting. That was a watershed moment for me, similar to the, the two stories that you told as well, which is awesome. Um, so Steve, where do you think you're going to take this thing? At this point, is it just you know, selecting the right deals, building the portfolio. Is that the main goal here? Do you have a number in mind as far as number of units that you'd like to I get to? <laughs> yeah. I got a number in mind. And it's probably going to sound as dumb. Hopefully, you know, hindsight, it sounds as dumb as my 60 doors. And when I was standing in the front yard of East Cleveland, but I got a number, it's 20,000, 20,000 units. And nice. uh, um, don't know how or why I got there. A lot of people reverse engineer stuff and I do, but uh, that's my number. And I hope, like I said, hopefully one day I'm watching this podcast or replay of this or a clip of this and I got 100,000 units and it just sounds dumb. But I think um, big goals and goals is a big part of every successful person's life. you know. And if you end up looking back and kind of giggling at those goals or thinking, why did I think that would be the end? Um, more power to you, but you got to set them high and you know try to get as close as possible. In my newest real estate investing book, The Flip System, you'll learn the proven secrets and strategies that I've used to be a successful real estate investor. You'll also hear the story of my journey 
from quitting my job to doing over 2,000 units of apartments. The Flip system is now available for a limited time, and you can grab your free copy at getflipsystem.com slash podcast. You'll learn the same proven principles and secrets and investing strategies that I used to quit my job and pursue a life of financial freedom. In this book, I'm sharing exactly how I was able to personally close over 750 profitable real estate deals, make over 400 private lender loans, raise over $30 million, and acquire over 2,000 units of cash-flowing apartments. Get my newest book now for free at getflipsystem.com slash podcast. That's getflipsystem.com slash podcast. So Steve, let's pivot real quick into some tactical stuff about actually doing deals. What are your some of your favorite techniques now for finding um, you know, finding apartment deals? It's obviously a very competitive market. There's a lot of money in the system. So finding the deals is very important. So I got a savvy one for single family, and uh, I got a less savvy one for multifamily. Yeah. There's almost more barriers to entry to multifamily, and I know you know that, but for people listening, um, it's just, it's almost like a click, right? Like there's some big-ass players in multifamily, and they get the deals first. So um, you just got to be super active in multifamily. So what we've been able to do uh, that, that helps a lot, we've touched on it in a different capacity earlier, is those joint ventures, right? So you got a lawyer, you got a CPA, you got a broker, all these people that you're doing deals with. And uh, you only have two ears and one mouth. So you can only listen to so many conversations and talk to so many people about trying to do deals. But if you're bringing your partners in to equity, instead of people cutting them a you know $1,000 fee or a $5,000 fee or a $20,000 fee, if they get a smoking hot deal, like my broker, the, the, the people I use a lot, you guys, uh, Pinnacle, all these other people that supply debt to me, I think they bring me deals because a lot of times I will give not the broker ownership, but the people that are operating with me ownership. So, right. Mm-hmm. Um, I got people that will say, Hey, my client's going to sell this house. Or if it's a lawyer or a mortgage broker or a commercial broker, whatever that looks like, they bring it to me first. I'm very happy to loop them back in for 20% ownership. And they obviously bring some part of the deal, be it uh, capital or, you know, sweat equity, property management, all that kind of stuff. Um, so I believe that, uh, that's my unique ability in commercial. Um, it's more networking and making sure people feel fairly compensated, you know, um, mm-hmm. we talked to, we, you asked about the, uh, progression of real estate as far as, uh, leasing agent to all the way to commercial real estate. But if you think about it, like the market and you can make a lot of money, like you said, as a uh, financial advisor or a real estate agent, but there's a cap, right? Yeah. <laughs> Market says you should make 3% or as, as far as real estate and maybe as a financial buyer, you're getting the 1%, 1% residual and you got this big ass, you know, um, like you said, you're managing a ton of money. That's, that's an awesome living. But I felt capped uh, as far as what the industry thought I should make. And I wanted to wholesaling and uh, owning re- uh, real estate took away that cap, that ceiling. So when I try to get favorable situations, deals, and partnerships in the, in, the, in the market, I just try to take that cap off whoever I'm working with, right? So there's a lawyer, maybe they got a fee for a PPM, there's a commercial broker, there's a lender. 
and I'm happy to pay them their fees. But if I can roll them back into ownership, all of a sudden the deal flow just falls on me. I, I actually spend probably less than 2000 bucks a year on marketing. Yeah, that's fantastic. It's all, it's all relationship based. How, how, how can I make them feel like they don't have a cap to their income and come back into deals? Um, which I think is unique. You know, you got a ton of big guys uh, spending hundreds of thousands of dollars on ads and whatnot to raise capital and find deals. I, I'm the complete opposite. You know, I, I don't spend any money on marketing. I think I create a win-win situation as far as my, um, you know, partners and uh, people that typically are paid a fee, bring them back in and everyone brings us deals. And that's a beautiful thing. Yeah. I think a lot of the guys that you're talking about too, whether it's a broker, lawyer, CPA, maybe even a contractor or, you know, in your case, you have an acquisitions manager that probably gets a piece of deals. But a lot of those guys have like a business or they have a job, if you will, like they're a commercial contractor or they're a CPA or they're a broker. They don't necessarily want to get out of that position or out of that job or out of that industry to all of a sudden become the main investor, the boots on the ground and the guy who's coordinating everybody. They want to do their job. And a lot of them already make enough income to pay the bills and take care of the family, go on vacation. So what do they want? They want a piece of equity, right? They want a way to build their balance sheet, their net worth without having to maybe invest like $100,000, $200,000 into a private placement structure. So if they get a piece of ownership through you know, giving up their fee, they're, they're okay with that because they're getting enough fees from their other clients, right? So it's really a, a, an awesome opportunity for them. And it's they look at you as maybe, I don't know if this is the right word, but kind of the gravy train, if you will, to say, this is something that's going to pay me for the rest of my life, as mm-hmm. opposed to just taking a fee for doing this legal work or this you know accounting work. Um, so love that. So how about on the single family side? Yeah, so that's actually, so I got like a, it's funny because the commercial thing, it's its so true and we both know that, but it almost sounds like Fugazi Fugazi, right? You just network and the deals <laughs> fall on you. Right. Um, the, the residential one, I got like a real, real, real trick that anyone can do in any market. So you can go Google Cuyahoga County trash map and it will show you where the trash in Cleveland's collected daily. And um, what we do a lot of is driving for dollars. Again, I, I was talking to my little private consulting group on Facebook, um, the Bulletproof Cartel. But yesterday, someone asked, what's the best return? And I said, people are lazy. They want to buy the list, right? Because it's provided to them. And then yeah. the yellow letters or whoever to send the shit. And they don't have to touch anything. You know, sometimes they don't even make the calls after they get the leads. That's how lazy the industry is. So our little, sure. yeah, our, our little unique ability is like we just outwork people, right? So we got that Cuyahoga County trash map. It tells you when people's trash is going to be out. So like, um, you know, and you know all the sectors of Cleveland. Maybe it's like, uh, you know, west of the river, east of the river, uh, you know, Ohio City, Detroit, Troy, all these little pockets. They all have different days they set their trash out. Yeah. So we sent a bunch of people around, um, you know, at 8 a.m. to go up and down those streets where the, the trash cans should be out. And, uh, you know, at 8, 9 a.m., the trash usually gets there by, like, noon. So if 8, 9 a.m., they got these big full trash cans in front of their street or uh, their house, then we assume someone lives there. You know, whatever, any one out of 30 houses, there's no trash cans in front of them. It's probably vacant or a hoarder or an old person that's, you know, maybe not moving a lot or producing, living by themselves, not producing a lot of waste. It's, It's kind of a gimmick. Yeah. But we've made hundreds of thousands, if not millions of bucks off it. Um, you know, we're grabbing places close to downtown for 40, 50 cents on the dollar that way. 
uh, because we're just looking, all right, if there's no trash, maybe it's vacant. Then we skip trace it, maybe call them up or throw them a letter saying, we'll buy your vacant house or whatever that looks like. And they'll say, well, it's not vacant, but my mom's 86 and she lives there. She's probably not making the, you know, a ton of trash or whatever that looks like. Yeah. Well, you know, we'll offer cash. You can move to a nursing home or if it's vacant, you know, we're offering cash to, you know, maybe a Cali investor that's owned it. It's been vacant for two, three years. So it's, it's kind of a little gimmick one that we got, but I don't think anyone else is doing it. Um, it's the first time I've ever heard of it in 13 years. It's fantastic. Yeah. And uh, I think, uh, you know, differentiated die as far as marketing, right? So I remember going to a, a house and that's kind of how we developed those uh, in Cleveland. Another one is the trash is we get those, you know, when it snows, you get those tires, right? So if people are backing out in the morning and go to work and someone lives there, they'll either plow their driveway, shovel their driveway, or they get those tire marks. So we do that too. So the trash and snow is a big one. Um, but I remember going to a, uh, when I wasn't doing the, the, the unique or different marketing, I remember going to a house in uh, Ohio City, like a, a hot area, right? And I was sending the yellow letters like everyone else. And I sat with the owner. And I could tell actually they liked me. And I wasn't at the other, you know, whatever, 15 appointments. I could tell they liked me the most. Like I was like, but it was, I wasn't going to pay their price, but they really wanted to sell to me. And she held up like 20 postcards. They're all identical, right? They're all getting yeah. in two, three sites. And uh, she said, you know, you know, if you can get to, you know, so-and-so's price, then we'll sell to you. And I was like, you know, I can't pay that. But I remember just seeing that visual of 25 people doing the same shit. I probably could have named all their names in my yeah, mind. Probably all friends of ours. <laughs> you know, I'm not going to say yeah. one word about them. I said, if they're going to pay more, sell to them. But I remember that day I thought, all right, I'm never, I, I didn't spend, after that, that appointment, I didn't spend another cent on yellow letters and or mailers because that's what everyone was doing. I just thought, all right, how do we, how do we differentiate our marketing? So we're getting different leads and we're not in a 15 offer situation. Yeah. So that, that's kind of my, that's how I try to reverse engineer my marketing. If everyone's doing it, I'm trying to stay out of the space and we're going to kind of outwork and do all the nitty gritty that, you know, everyone loves that on bigger pockets, drive for dollars, door knock, door hangers, and no one does it because you got to actually go door hang. Yeah. You know? Because so, you just got to put the time and the effort in for sure. So we just try to stay in those spaces that maybe other people don't love to do. Yeah, I love it, man. We, we tell our people, look, expand your market or expand your marketing. And mm-hmm. a lot of times, you know, everyone wants the automated way of marketing, which is great. Like there's chatbots that are everywhere now, you know, Facebook and ManyChat and there's, you know, Drift and all these different chatbot services, which are great. And it, it works well for technology and for some businesses. But in this business of real estate, look, got to find an asset. You can buy at a discount, fix it up, rent it out for the rest of your life, and you're going to be a multimillionaire. So put in the work at the front end, just like Steve's talking about, doing something a little bit different. And it's not the sexiest thing like trash and snow, right? Yeah. But it freaking works. It, like that just, I wrote that down. Differentiate or die, trash and snow. Yeah. Ramey, that's the title of this podcast. Got it? It's <laughs> fantastic, Steve. Awesome, man. Well, listen, Steve, I know some people are going to want to do deals with you, whether it's bring you bring you properties, maybe invest passively with you, joint venture with you, get to know you, uh, join your uh, Bulletproof Cartel, maybe come to one of your events that you host. Uh, where can people reach out to you? Where can they connect with you? Yeah, the best way is just uh, via social media. Actually, your assistant was emailing me and she's like, all right, what's your website? I'm like, damn, dude, I haven't updated my website in like two yeah. years, right? So. But my Facebook is my website. That's all I need. Yeah. So I operate, you know, a couple multi-million dollar businesses off Instagram and Facebook. So Stephen Todd Morris on Facebook. I think I get, I get the link to your assistant. And then, um, 
smorris802 on Instagram. We got all the business pages. I think you can find them from the personal pages. But I, yeah. I, I do feel and I take a lot of pride in being responsive, you know? So um, I'm very an open book, sometimes too open. And on social media, everyone reaches out to me, but I try to get back in like, if I can, an hour, you know? So if they, if they hit me, if they want to do deals, if they want to get involved passively or lend money, you know, I'll, I'll try to uh, message them back within an hour on social media. That's the best way to get a hold of me. Actually, my voicemail says, basically, don't call my phone ever again. Yeah. My team told me, Steve's running a few minutes late for the podcast. Don't call him. He won't answer. <laughs> <laughs> that was yeah, awesome. Yes. Well, there, there you have it, guys. Steve Morris with Red Door Renovations, over 700 units of apartments and Airbnbs. A ton of nuggets here, Steve. Thanks so much for joining us on Accelerated Investor. Thanks for having me, man. You've been listening to Josh Cantwell and the Accelerated Investor Podcast. Leave a comment on our iTunes channel and let us know what you want to learn next or who you'd like Josh to interview. While you're there, give us a five-star rating and make sure to subscribe so you can be the first to hear new episodes. Follow Josh Cantwell and his companies, Strategic Real Estate Coach and Freeland Ventures on all social media platforms now and stay up to date on new training and investment opportunities to start your journey toward the lifestyle you've always dreamed of. Apply for coaching at joshcantwellcoaching.com.